This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And a very warm welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. My name's Martin Stark and I'm joined by our panel of guests to discuss all the action from the last seven days supporting Southampton Football Club. Streaming this episode of TSP Live on our Facebook and our Twitter pages and it's also on our YouTube channel tonight. Now if you're watching live on Facebook and YouTube you can get involved in the conversation using the comments section. It's always great to hear your thoughts and any questions you've got for the guys tonight too. Coming up this week on the podcast, reaction to a solid home win against Everton. We're going to preview the game against Norwich at St Mary's on Friday. I've also got a long-awaited update on the panel's predictions league and I have to be honest, a small confession from me as well. Uh, but first of all, let me introduce you to our regular TSP guests. They're waiting patiently on your screens. Let's go clockwise. So we'll start with Steve, top right. Uh, Steve Grant is the owner of Saints Web. Back in the UK, are you enjoying the weather, Steve? Thanks for bringing the sunshine back. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Did you get quite... back okay? Because I was worried about you with the flights this week. Yeah, I mean, my so my original plan was to come back um, Friday. And uh, yeah, in hindsight, I'm very glad I chose to kind of bring that forward. Um, a few days, so I came back Monday in the end, where conditions were fine um, at the at the time of flying. So uh, yeah, didn't didn't get to feature on that uh, on that wonderful YouTube uh, live stream on Friday on Friday afternoon. Um, TV. Yes, that I mean that was extraordinary, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Seeing see um, those <laughs> planes coming in sideways into Heathrow was uh, was an eye opener. But back safe and sound, which is good. It does make you wonder why we bother. We could have just gone to Southampton Airport and just streamed from the end of the runway, and then we'd have got some uh, incredible figures. Bottom right on your screens, Glenn Delacour is the writer of League One Minus 10. That's the weekly Saints blog. Your fence panel's all good this week, Glenn. Were you okay? No, it's, it's oh. quite interesting. So uh, we've, had, we've had some fence panels down. And so that was Friday night. And on Saturday, I was thinking, I'm not actually sure if they're ours or the neighbours. And I looked at it and I thought, I could probably hammer these back together. So so I delayed it, as you do, until Sunday. And then I got up in the morning and the neighbours had done it. So, oh, wow. so I'm going to keep really, really quiet about <laughs> it. And, uh, you know, next next Christmas card, I might mention it. But uh, no, so happy days. But it is, as we speak, 
sort of gusting big time around here at the moment. So yeah. I'm uh, I'm waiting for bits to uh, to fly off the house because my house, my house is quite old. Oh, the other thing I did just before the storm hit, I decided that it was the right time to. Uh, take down the trampoline that I've been meaning to do for five years. I didn't fancy retrieving it from, uh, from West the road or, or Hedge End Village or something like that. So uh, so I was out there at half past 10 at night. It was a bizarre behavior on my part. But uh, but no, and yeah, the other thing I've been doing, yeah, it's been mainly getting wet this week and, and laughing at people who have recently been out of the country and have just come back into it. <laughs> but your timing yesterday going to the game wasn't the best either, was it, Glenn? No, no. I... <laughs> I um I'm a, I managed to walk to the game, get absolutely soaked, and then for the next sort of ten minutes, watch people coming in perfectly dry. So uh, yeah, I did uh, did really really well there. I got into the habit of coming in early when they were doing all the sort of COVID checks and all that sort of stuff, and uh, I must revert back to my normal five to three arrival time and uh, see how that one works out for me. Also joining us, Dan Sheldon is the Athletics dedicated Saints reporter. You must have been pleased that it wasn't too far to travel yesterday, Dan. There were some horrendous journeys. Yeah, it was. That, I was talking to someone in the press box. It took them a good three and a half, four hours in what would is normally an hour and a half journey. So yeah, I was over the moon. It was just a short twenty-minute ride down the M27. All good, all good. Well, the biggest hello and thank you is reserved to our patrons wherever you might be listening or watching this week. Welcome to episode 187 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. A dominant display at St Mary's saw Saints beat Everton 2-0 in the reverse of the opening day fixtures. Steve, let's start with you. I know it was uh, a bit of a trek for you to get to the game. Uh, what did you make of the first trip back to St Mary's? Yeah, it was good. I mean, first 10 minutes, I thought, oh God, we haven't turned up here yet, have we? Got away with a couple of iffy penalty shouts. Um, I thought that handball, I mean, I, I mean, let's, let's be honest, we've seen them given. Um, so I think we might have uh, might have slightly dodged a bullet there, but once we got over that early sort of ten minute first ten minute spell, um, we were pretty much completely dominant. And how much of that is down to us? How much of that is down to Everton? Difficult to tell. Um, but we did we did everything everything we needed to do apart from stick the ball in the back of the net. I mean, Jordan Pickford is their man the match by a country mile. I mean, I think you probably give give him a probably give him like a, an eight eight or nine out of 10 and everybody else on their team, maybe a two, if you're being generous, but yeah, our, our finishing wasn't quite up to quite up to scratch our decision-making when, because a lot of the time in the second half, we had a lot of counter-attacks where we were just picking them off at, at, at will, but we were either kind of overplaying it or not making the right decision in the final third. And, and to be honest, that sort of dominance, we should have been, we should have been putting five or six past them, I think. Mm. Um, so that's, that's the only, probably the only negative from, from the whole game. I mean, Fraser Forster, I hope they charged him a ticket price. Um, for, clean, for being, clean gloves. For, for being, a, being, a, being such a spectator. I mean, no shots on target from them in, in 90 minutes. I don't think they even got close to having one, did they? Yeah, very, very poor from them. But it's, it's, the, it's kind of what, what I'm, ex, I'm expecting to see from them for the majority of Frank Lampard's time. They'll, they'll have a few games where their sort of vibes over tactics... Um, mantra works for them and particularly at home they'll get the crowd behind them because yeah. they've got they've got some good attacking players when when they can be bothered but when when they kind of haven't got got that backing or something goes against them they 
I mean, they they folded like a pack of cards yesterday. So yeah, I, I think they'll. I don't think they'll go down, but I think they're they're going to be looking over their shoulder certainly for for most of the rest of this season. I think no, but we were we were we were excellent. Um, as I say, the only disappointing thing is we didn't claw back a bit more of the goal difference, I think. Would have been good. Glenn, it seemed to be quite a textbook win, if ever there's such a thing. What were your thoughts on the match yesterday? Yeah, very similar to what, what Steve said. I think I think we were excellent. I think they were terrible. It was as comfortable as it as it ever is for us at home. Um, you know, I, I started going at a time where Everton was a game that we always lost, yeah. home, home and away. And then we kind of... T- turned that around and started winning a few of the home games. We've always been awful at Goodison, as everyone knows. But uh, I'm I'm always expecting a hard game. I'm always expect, expecting them to be a sort of physically tough team to play against. And to go into that, I mean, when the Alan got booked, that seemed to be that that was their midfield gone as soon as they took him off. I mean, going in, going in with a sort of two-man central midfield of Andre Gomez and Donny van der Beek against... Romeo and Ward Prowse, who were just different level um, compared to those two. And that was the thing about the second half is that our midfield was totally dominant. All Everton were reduced to doing was was launching the ball long towards Calvert-Lewin. If he got his head to it, which he, you know, he's good in the air, but he was getting his head to it, but he was 35 yards out. Mm. And there's nothing you can do as a centre forward when the ball's being launched in from so far away. Their wide players, Gordon and Iwobi, didn't get up the wings at all. There were no crosses from sort of near our goal. So it was really, really comfortable. In, even at 1-0, I didn't feel like we were we were ever going to concede a goal. You don't like to say that, of course, because it can only take a you know lucky break of the ball. And then, then, the, then the miracle of Shane Long happened. Um, which was just was just one of those amazingly bizarre things because you you know you you've brought on a, a non-scoring striker just to run around and put pressure on the defence and he ends up he ends up scoring so you know we all know Shane Long hasn't got uh, got many days left in the sun as a as a Saints player so for him uh, to come on and have a have the crowd singing his name and, and score an important goal is is a you know is a really good thing mm. for him like love that moment and uh, yeah but I, I just I couldn't believe the contrast with how well organised um, all over the pitch we were, and how insipid, I guess is the word, Everton were, especially in that second half. They, they were—they reminded me a little bit of, of Man United when we played them, but obviously Man United have got much better players. But for Everton to have spent as much money as they've spent over the last four or five years and have that eleven on the pitch, that's quite possibly the worst back four I've ever seen. And then when you when you combine it with, you know, the the lack of midfield protection in away games against anyone half decent, they've got no chance. So yeah, good good day for us. Um, bad day for them. It'll be interesting to see how um, media darling Lampard um, works out over the next few months. Dresses that up. Yeah, there's someone called Shane Long watching on YouTube right now. I don't know if that's the Shane Long, but uh, <laughs> parody account. But thanks and good evening. Hi to Stuart as well. Hi to Mark. Dan, you actually called 2-0 last week. So was it as straightforward performance as you thought it would be? After the first 10 minutes, it was, yeah, even more straightforward than I half expected. As Glenn said, you kind of always think Everton are going to be a tough game. I remember the first game of the season where Southampton obviously went ahead and ended up losing. And I thought, weirdly, I thought if Benitez was still in charge, it probably would have been a more difficult game on Saturday. But as Steve said, you think Frank Lampard does kind of strike you as the sort of vibes over tactics. And maybe his team talk was, let's get at them for 10 minutes and take it. And then it got to 10 minutes and the players just looked around and were like, what next? What should we do now? <laughs> um, and just had no idea. And it was a point I raised to Ralph, actually. I didn't realise until I looked, but since Ralph took charge, in December 2018, if you exclude Duncan Ferguson, Everton have had four managers 
which is crazy when you think four managers in three years. And you look at the players they've got, there's a kind of mixture of Ancelotti, Silva, and you just think it's just insane. A team could spend half a billion and get worse. I mean, it it was shocking, really. You think it's just, for me, Saturday was an example of a manager with a plan. The players are well-drilled. They know exactly what they're doing. And a team that are just in an absolute crisis who have no idea what to do. And you think, I saw some fans were kind of concerned about Deli Alley, thinking, oh, he might have a similar game that he had against Saints. But I mean, he was shocking. He was, you know, if you're charging Fraser Forster for a ticket, you may as well charge Deli Alley for one at the same time because it was, it was just terrible. They were I don't, just. I don't think he shocking. passed. I don't think he passed the ball to a teammate. No, seriously, and, he went five or six times. Just... And I don't want to dwell on how bad Everton were because I thought Southampton. Mm. They made. They, you know. Southampton was so good, it made Everton so bad, if that makes sense. It wasn't a case Everton didn't turn up. It was just a case of Southampton were far too good, far too organised. And as Steve said, really could have been three, four, five, but for, for Jordan Pickford, who made some good stops. Yeah. Let's talk through the events. Let's start with that starting lineup then, Steve. Obviously, just the one change with Perot testing positive for COVID. But when you've got Tino coming in, it's it's, it's not a bad swap. Yeah. I mean, we we looked like we weren't affected by that at all. I mean, obviously, that was our first choice uh, fullback pairing for significant part of the first half of the season up until um, Tino got his injury. So, yeah, I think I don't think that that phased the players at all. They they were, I mean, as as we've said, they're they're well drilled. They they know what their roles and responsibilities are. And I mean, the only the only person it might have affected would have been um, Walker Peters having to swap sides again. And so the the work that they would have done all week on the on the training ground, he would have ordinarily been preparing for um, facing up to someone on the op- on the opposite side. Um, so he's got to slightly change his plans. But I mean, he was he was outstanding. I thought. I mean, admittedly, up against, not up against an awful lot, but defensively was untroubled. And I mean, he's almost he's almost retired Seamus Coleman there with um, with that display. I mean, he just ran him ragged, and it was it was good to see him willing to run at players because um, I think when he's played on the left, sometimes he's been slightly reluctant to take to take his fullback on, um, largely because he's not overly confident on his left foot I don't think but because they were showing him inside and giving him all the space he wanted he was more than happy to kind of accept that freebie and the number of times he he was cutting inside and um, obviously had two really good um, shots in the second half that were both um, both well saved by Pickford one one took a really sharp deflection that I mean let's be honest we've seen both McCarthy and Forster concede those goals in recent times so that was um that was a really really good stop i thought but yeah walker, walker peters was excellent tino didn't really have didn't really have an awful lot to do because because so much of our attacking threat was coming down the left hand side tino was only really involved kind of sporadically I and mean, obviously he got the assist for for shane's goal and i actually thought he'd um um shanked the cross a little bit it looked like he'd given it far too much air mm-hmm. and that pickford would just come and pluck it out of the air but i think i don't know whether pickford was like I don't know if he was a bit frazzled or something by the shambles that was going on in front of him for the previous 82 minutes, but left it alone. And that, that gave gave Shane the, the opportunity to, to win the header. Well, he probably uh, thought it was Shane Long, it would be all right. <laughs> yeah, he never scores. <laughs> Little did he know. It's the Shane Long's contract season right now. Mm. Leaping like a salmon. Um, Glenn, the team's kind of picking itself at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I've said, all, said the last few weeks, well, mm. since the uh, Tottenham game, you know, when I saw that, I know Perot was playing in that game, but when when I saw that eleven on the pitch in that formation, I, 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 it just something clicked for me. You know, that's our best 
that's our best 11 in, in that formation. And uh, it's interesting now, with the exception of, of, of Tino, probably, I'm thinking that if you change that 11, because it is playing at a very good level at the moment, if you change anyone in that 11, it kind of does drop away a little bit. Um, for example, if Elianusi and Armstrong are missing, you're then looking at Gineppo, Walcott, Redmond coming yeah. in. And I, and Warprouse and Romeo were both superb yesterday. Um, so you wouldn't want either of those missing. The forward combination has clicked. Bednarek, I thought, had a very good game yesterday. Uh, as well so it was uh yeah it was it was interesting to see how they you know the the two center halves i thought handled calvert lewin superbly they they kind of realized salaso after the first 20 minutes he kind of realized that okay i'm not going to win every ball in the air i just need to be all over him like a rash when the ball drops and just make it really really difficult for him and, and calvert lewin for the second year running against us and i don't know if you remember last year vestigar just headed everything and calvert lewin didn't touch the ball and Yesterday, I was just really disappointed in him for a player that's got quite a big reputation. He didn't try and pull over to Walker Peters' side to compete against a smaller player. He just mm. carried on battling, trying to win these these balls in the air. But uh, second but year no. running, he got booked for a um, slightly iffy looking late challenge on one on one of our yeah. centre backs as well. Yeah, he's so. You know, I, I I just thought it was that that team at the moment picks itself, and it, and if we can keep everybody fit, which is obviously not possible in this in this era of COVID. I mean, it's it would have been interesting to see what the you know if Perot would have kept his place. Yeah. Um, you know, Dan touched on it last week. It would have been ridiculous to leave him out after the two performances he had against Tottenham and, and Man United. So uh, I would I would like to have think to have thought that Perot would have stayed in the team, but um, with being. Uh, with testing positive for COVID, I would say it's unlikely he's going to be um, sort of ready for the for the, the game Friday. on Friday. Mm. Um, even if he's sort of clear by then, he's probably going to have missed a bit of training, etc. So, uh, so hopefully we can go into the go into the Norwich game with the with the same eleven and uh, get a similar result. Yeah. I think that's what you want to see, though. Not Pro catching COVID, but we kind of said last week, didn't we, that Tino has to earn that spot back. Yeah, and you think he? I thought in the second half he kind of showed glimpses. Well, both in the first and the second half, he showed glimpses of the Tino we saw kind of pre-Aston Villa. I always thought that Aston Villa game, he, he wasn't great. And then his form tailed off and then he got injured on Boxing Day. But I thought he showed glimpses of what he was really good at. He played some nice turns on the sideline, managed to get away from his marker. And the cross was was good. And that's what you want to see. You want to see him coming into the team if Perot's not fit yeah. and making an impact. And he's now said to Ralph, look, I've come in. We've won 2-0, clean sheet. First one since that game against Villa. I've got an assist. Leave me out next week. That, yeah. That's exactly what you want. Could have had I a goal still, as well. I, I still yeah, thought. I still thought. I still thought Tino was at times a little bit reluctant to run forward when he when he had the chance. I mean, I know it's not it's not as simple as you know running forward every time you you've got it. <laughs> They've got these patterns of play um, where they want to feed the ball into the you know into the into Armstrong or, or whatever. But yeah, sometimes I, it looked to me in the first half in particular that he he still looked like he was kind of feeling his way back in but you know he's what's he 19 now mm. so he's getting getting really old of course so he's he's 19 he's still finding his way in, in the premier league so you can't expect him to be uh, to be brilliant all game every game and uh yeah it was a, it was a it was a solid game for him and I, I think he'll only he'll only get better again but you know whether he whether he stays in the team for the next few weeks who knows? Wait and see. Well, we'll get on to the goals in just a sec. Um, Dan, it was a pretty even first half. Not really much to talk about. But for once, it seemed like it was Saints that found that extra gear in the second half. Is that what pleased Ralph the most when you, you spoke to him after the game? I think the, the clean sheet, to be honest, really pleased Ralph. I think he was kind of over the moon with that. He, he alluded to the fact that of all the good performances they've had recently, the only thing missing 
has been a clean sheet. Um, you have to go back to November, don't you, for until their last one. So he was delighted with that. He didn't kind of go as big and say it was one of the best performances he's seen as he did kind of in the Tottenham game. I think, as Steve said at the top of the podcast, they left a bit out on the field in terms of finishing chances. You could argue Brozier probably could have had a couple or, and I don't want this isn't a complaint against Brozier because he's been excellent, but sometimes he shoots and you think a pass maybe isn't the worst option in the world. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, he's, the goals he scored this season, you know, he's more than entitled to take that shot. But sometimes you do think there was probably a better option from the angle you were at. But yeah, I think, Ralph, you can't not be happy with a kind of comfortable 2 0 win over Everton. And the clean sheet will really kind of cheer him up, I think, going into what we what we all said were favourable fixtures. So yeah, really good for him. Let's talk about the goals then, Steve. Stu Armstrong, great finish to beat the England goalkeeper. Arguably, he could have done better at the keeper, but um, Stu Armstrong is just in the form of his life at the moment. Yeah, I think, I'm not wanting to be sort of Jordan Pickford's number one fan or anything, but I think the the whole getting beaten at the near post sort of trope is a little bit slightly lazy, I think, because the precision that Armstrong's put on that shot at pace and with a defender partially blocking blocking the view I think it's just hard for him to get get down to that you've mm. I mean you've got to still kind of expect the ball to cover any part of the goal um so he's got to set him up um set himself up in in a I think it was in a reasonable position but Armstrong's just just hit it really well and he's put it really low down I think if it had been maybe a foot off the ground I reckon the keeper's got a chance of saving it because he doesn't have to go down as far and anywhere sort of further away from that post and I think he probably stops it as well. Um, so yeah, the the precision on that is is extraordinary. Um, I thought that was another break that we were going to kind of make a bit of a mess of because it looked like when Romeo squared it across to Adams, it looked like he might have just got it kind of trapped under his feet a little bit, which a lot of players did um, over the course of the game, which I think was probably probably down to the wind and the rain that we'd had over the over the previous sort of thirty six forty eight hours or so. And yeah, a few balls were kind of sticking in the surface or uh, players kind of overrunning overrunning themselves like ahead of the ball but yeah dug it out and um yeah great great finish from there and yeah as you say he's he's in he's in great form just when when arms when armstrong is is fit and playing we just look a completely different team hmm. and it's it's one of those things where so frustrating that um that he's missed so many games over the last couple of years because we get ourselves into these little runs of great form and then he'll get injured and it and it coincides with us suddenly tailing off now i don't know i assume there's probably i mean let's be honest saints medical team will be doing everything they possibly can to keep all our all our players fit and i don't think there's anything special they can necessarily do for for Stu to to be sort of more available don't send um, them on international duty well yeah there, yeah. yeah when that's that's an option <laughs> Well, that's, it always um, seems to be, it's always the Scotland thing, isn't it? Come back injured or come back with COVID. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. Well, James um, is watching on YouTube. James says, what do we need to do moving forward to ensure that Stuart Armstrong stays on the field? Because stop we've him going on international duty. So is that, is that, is that, is that simple <laughs> that, man? Because one of the other things is, so. can, can he do two games in a week? You know, where we've got, we've got well, a few Ralph's always said and... he can't do three games in a week. He's not the type of player that, that can do three in a week. And I think that's the only thing that's, I think he's a top, top, top player. And the only thing that's holding him back is just that he hasn't got a 38-game season in him. And I, because I, I looked at all the other appearances, he's only made 12 this season in the Premier League. I think his second most, his I think 33 is his highest number since he since he joined the club in 2018. But yeah, he's just he he had so much. I think, and isn't there that crazy stat that I think I looked into as well? They've not won a game without him in the squad since November 2019. 
Yeah. Yeah, something like that's mad, isn't it? <laughs> Which is crazy. I mean, he's obviously not responsible for all of those wins, bearing in mind he's come on the pitch in like the 90th minute at times. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just can to keep tell, the stat going. <laughs> yeah, he's just got, I think we've said before, of all the number 10s, they're all maybe good at one thing, whereas he's kind of good at all of those things that they're good at, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think he's, he's, he's quicker than people may give him credit for. He's, he's far more intelligent than the other number 10s. The, the way he understands what the fullback is going to be doing as well is really impressive, I think, because I looked at his touch map after the game yesterday and the number of times he's kind of getting into that pocket of space just around the outside of the box on the right and leaving the, the flank free for, for Tino is just, you can, it, it just illustrates exactly what Ralph is doing with those number 10s and the fullbacks. And when he's in the team, they're just so much better. And it's hard to quantify sometimes because you think, well, they've got other good wingers, but mm. none of them are as good as he is. He has got the passing, he's got, he can create chances and more importantly, he can score. And it's like, the others just don't seem to do that. And it's the kind of progressive ball carries as well. He's so, so impressive at that. I think him and Elianusi is a really nice combination. I think Elianusi can frustrate you at times because he hasn't quite got that pace Yeah. To, to get in behind. When he's got a chance to kind of run into space, he hasn't always got the pace to do it, but he's very good on the ball. But with Armstrong, he, he has got that pace and he can beat a, beat a man and long may he stay fit because Southampton are a completely different team when he's in it yeah Glenn other goal Shane Long almost two years to the day leaping like a salmon at the back post but was it three ever yeah. I think I mean subbed on on the 82nd minute scores on the 83rd and the crowd goes absolutely wild yeah that was, that was a great moment as I said earlier what what's impressive about it is that he he got up really early you know, it, it was a bit of a loopy cross, as, as Steve said, and uh, he he got up early and uh, again pitching into Shaman, Seamus Coleman's uh, need to retire. He he didn't even get off the ground. Uh, Long was up early, so Coleman couldn't do anything about it. And it's just he's he's always had a good leap. He's always been decent in the air, and it it was a really good header. There's a there's a lovely angle from where the from behind the post where the ball actually goes in, where you see Pickford turn around and he's watching the line of the ball as it goes in, as it just sort of goes inside the post. And you just see Pickford's face. It's great. But uh, but no, I thought Pickford had a great game, to be fair. But um, yeah, it, it, was, it was great for Shane Long. It, it's interesting that he got brought on in front of Adam Armstrong. That yeah. seems to be a, a change in the pecking order that's gone on. Adam Armstrong seems to have fallen well out of favour. I, I thought that when we played the game against Coventry, when... To be honest, the Fords were all rubbish in the first half and it was Armstrong that got hooked off when it could just as easily have been Shane Long. But Ralph has obviously got a bit of a, a bit of an issue with him at the moment. So yeah, Shane Shane come on and he and he scored the goal and it was great. Just one final one final thing I'd like to say on the first goal actually, big assist to the referee, because he waved play on when when Elianusi nicked the ball off of um I think it was Gomez. Yeah. Gomez just hauled him down and it you know, it's kind of a yellow card free kick, but because the referee let it go, it then went Romeo Adams Armstrong goal. So, if Mike Dean had done that, he'd have been celebrating, wouldn't he? He'd have been giving, <laughs> giving it the big it, one, you know. Well, Mike, 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 Mike Dean would have given them the free kick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it Michael Keane in the first game that played an errant pass? Yeah. Yes. That was well, no, he, got his, he basically got his pocket was it? picked. Got his feet right, as, okay, as the last yeah. man. Right. Yeah. I couldn't remember if he played a pass or he just had the ball nicked off him by Shea yeah. Adams, but he must have had the ball nicked off him by Adams. Yeah, I was just pleased for the first goal yesterday that it was that Adams and Romeo went the other way around because you know that Romeo would have had a shot from the edge of the box and that goes straight into the stand. Yeah, he had one in the first. He had one in the first half, didn't he? And it's just oh, it's like, incredible, okay. wasn't it? 
every time you just that's like, your oh, gosh. I, I saw I saw yeah, I had a look on um understat for the um sort of shop map and stuff um from the game yesterday and uh, that one was rated as a 0.01 xg which I thought was still very generous <laughs> um just a word on that partnership because it, you can see these these partnerships forming all over the pitch Steve you've got obviously Tino and Carl Walker Peters at the back we talked about the center backs so you've got the two up front but that Romeo and, and James Ward Prowse once they hit their stride yesterday you kind of felt like this is only going to go one way isn't it if they're both on form and, and they're up for it then they, they were just dominating yesterday oh yeah I mean they just abs- they absolutely bullied them I mean, as as Glenn said, as soon as Alan got got that book in, what fifteen minutes in, I mean, of what use is he in that in that team? And as a as a midfield two up against our our midfield two plus two, I guess because they can all play in the middle. Um, it was just it was just embarrassingly one sided. I mean, it was genuinely like playing against like a youth team or a or a non league side that just the the difference in levels and the difference in knowing what they needed to do in the in that midfield and having that uh, partnership and the knowledge of what each what each one of them is going to do at any given moment so you can adjust your own position to make sure that that all bases are covered and I mean Everton didn't have that at all and with those midfield players then they're unlikely to ever have that I and mean, they missed Corey, but he's still not a holding midfielder really um he's your sort of box to box athletic uh player who who will who will give you the give you the energy that they didn't have yesterday but he's not gonna he's not gonna be sitting in front of the back four and giving them any protection i mean it's i mean as dan said earlier like half half a billion pounds spent on that squad in the last five or six years and it's like and you and you've and you've and this is what you've come up with lads Mm -hmm. it's just yeah it's just pathetic that a football club could spend that much money on absolutely nothing. Oh, the thing fun. I love about games like that is when someone like Deli Ali plays, where all the Saints fans were going, "We should be signing him. We should be signing him. He's exactly the sort of player we should be going for." And then he turns Not up. This one. <laughs> <laughs> With the exception of those on this uh, on this podcast, uh, you know, these that's the sort of player we should be going for if we want to show some ambition. And then, right. absolutely, um, amb- ambition is a um, is a horrible word in football, and it's uh, spouted by largely by people who basically just want people to spend money on anything. Basically, just footballing magpies, people who like shiny things. Yeah, I mean, amb- ambition comes. Actual ambition comes in in many different formats, and it it doesn't need you to spend or commit to spending the thick end of forty million pounds on a on a player who doesn't really look like he can be bothered anymore. It's very philosophical, Steve. I like that. Um, Glenn, just a word on the front two: Adams and Brozier. I know Dan mentioned it earlier on. Brozier perhaps needs to be a little bit less selfish in front of goal but you get the impression if you look oh, at I'm the, not sure the he net- does need to be less i just think no, there are times was, there are times i, was, can, I, there think, I didn't two. say he should be less selfish i think there are times he may no, have better options i'm Send gonna forward, be, have a shot the, the next six, when you look at the next six games those the defense they're gonna be um absolutely bricking it aren't they um when we've got those two playing and, and firing well i imagine that we're going to come up against some teams certainly teams like burnley who are going to sit deep and it will be another sort of challenge because it will be much more difficult to sort of pick our way through them and this is where players like Elianusi and Armstrong are going to be going to be key to be able to pick a pass through back in the day when we were last really decent when we had Graziano Pella up front if a team sat deep against us we could go you know we could go over the defense basically because he was so good at shielding the ball and um, picking the ball out of the sky sort of thing that's an area that Brozier needs to work on 
because sometimes he's you know he's sort of six foot four standing and then six foot one when he jumps sometimes he, he doesn't quite get the timing right and he, he doesn't quite sort of have the physicality to hold off players so I think these next few games will be really good for him in his in his development playing against the likes of Burnley and, and stuff like that you know we got we got Norwich up next and they've got on paper to a you know their their defence is as bad as Everton, so that, yeah, I think they'll be slightly worried about what we can do. But but those two, yeah, it's again Shay Adams illustrated just how much work he's prepared to do. I mean the the um, the Saints social media team they've they've clipped up and put out that that challenge where he ran back to absolutely trash the Everton left back, and he he did so much good work defensively and you know that's the that's the thing we're talking about Everton and their collection of. You know, Deli Alleys and Van der Beek and Alex Awobi and things like that. Yesterday was a classic example of a team against a ragtag bunch of individuals. I mean, their team, Alex Awobi, cost twice as much as our record signing. And, you know, what, what players have Everton got that would fit in our system and make it better? Yep. You know, maybe Richarlison at a push. But I'd, I'd struggled on yesterday's show and I'd struggle to be remotely interested in any of the others. Exactly. Um, Pickford, yeah, well, we need a goalkeeper, don't we? Probably next season. <laughs> <laughs> see if he's inter- see if he's interested. But but, uh, but yeah, but going back to yeah, you know, our, two, our two strikers, they, they're they're only going to get better and better. And as I, yeah. as I said earlier, it, it's a nice problem to have. But those two have proved themselves to be now a cut above what else we've got. And if if one of them is missing, then there's a there's a definite downturn because at the moment, you know, and we all love him, of course. Shane Long is the next alternative. Shane way, Long's on fire, yeah. He is, yeah. <laughs> um, before we get on to the the game on Friday, um, I just wanted to to get your thoughts on this. Nick's actually mentioned that he's watching online. He says, "Do you think we can reach ninth by the end of the season? Uh, is the top ten finished back on? Because a few weeks ago we were kind of going that it's not going to happen at all. But do, do you think it might happen now, Dan? Is it possible? I think." I, I didn't think it pre-Man City. I, I didn't think it was because I didn't think they'd get as many points as they did from those games. But when you look at the cushion, I know the teams below them do have a, a game in hand and whatnot. But I don't see why not. I think Southampton, from game to game, are only getting better, and the opposition are now only getting weaker. And there will be the argument, of course, that the teams they're now going to be playing are kind of Bar Aston Villa are kind of fighting to stay in the league, so they're going to bring different tests but ultimately I think Saints are just so in their own lane at the moment I they they just seem to be going through the gears um and just getting better, better week by week I, I honestly do think top 10 is most certainly on the cards to be honest I don't I'm not going to sit here and say I'd be really disappointed if they didn't get it because I still think they, they've improved massively since last season in different areas of their game but I do think it's an opportunity now that has opened up I personally would just love to see them finish above clubs like Villa um, yeah. Leicester, basically the clubs that sign their players, I'd love to see them finish above, <laughs> really, in a kind of selfish way. But yeah, I don't think you can all sit the, here and all say these teams that won the transfer window. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And, and on, it, just going back to Shay Adams, I don't want to labour on that point, but he is a top, top, top professional, and I'm so happy for him because he really has stepped up this season. And I think it'll be brilliant when he does finished the season with more goals than Danny Ings. I think that would be a kind of <laughs> big pat on the back for himself. Be awesome. Um, Glenn, is the top 10 on, do you think? Um, or is this where we stuff it up? <laughs> yeah, well, before these five games that we've just had, I think we all thought we'll maybe get two points from that lot. And we've got how many, however many it is, eight or nine. The next five will kind of dictate whether we've got a shout of finishing seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, or mm. we'll end up 14th. 
because if we, you know, if we if we drop the ball and and only pick up maybe three points out of the next five games, you know, we could get anything between three three and fifteen. Let's be honest, and that and that's the difference between challenging up near the you know the the European places or or falling away to fourteenth. So yeah, ask me ask me in four or five weeks' time. But uh, I think. You know, Saints are playing well enough at the moment. You just expect it to continue. But our experience tells us that it doesn't. And there will be a, you know, a crashing back down to earth at, at some point. Next game up is Norwich. We've already lost to them once. And they're garbage. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, who's, who's to say that's uh, that's not going to happen? I mean, with our home form, their away form, next Friday should be a gimme. But it never works out like that. So, uh, let's see. I've, um, over, over the years, I've, I've grown very... Um, uh, realistic about things. We've been following them for too long, haven't we? Yeah. That's the thing. Anyway, great question. Thanks, Nick. Um, I must just say as well, thanks to Luke Digweed, who sent us a link to a song called The Ballad of Shane Long. I don't know if you've heard this. I, I assume you haven't on YouTube. Um, and asked if we could play it tonight. Why don't um, we sing it instead? <laughs> well, sadly, due to copyright reasons, we can't play it and we can't sing it. Sing it. Maybe we can you, share you the link. If we had time. <laughs> but we need to get on to Norwich, um, unfortunately. So Friday night, St Mary's, Norwich under the lights. What have you made of Norwich under Dean Smith, Steve? Is it going to be a different game to that last one? Well, I hope was so. Was he in charge? That, that that's that's yeah, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, we, had, we had Dean Smith back-to-back, didn't we? Villa yeah, and, so this would be Villa the third. Norwich. Yeah. I mean, they, they've improved, but that was they'd have done pretty well to have got any worse than they were. I mean, they've, they've picked up some. They've picked up some points. They've started winning, winning a couple of games. Um, they gave Liverpool a bit of a scare yes, uh, yesterday, in that they took the lead. But I mean, Liverpool were from from what I've from what I've seen of the game were always well on top, and it was a it was a proper sort of smash and grab one nil lead. But that's the sort of thing you got you got to worry about against against these sort of sides. They're, I mean, Dean Smith's no mug. He'll uh, he'll formulate a plan that he thinks can can beat us, and ultimately, you, it's it's one of those where is there, I mean, if their game plan is the same as it was against us last time, i.e. hope that our goalkeeper throws two in the net, then... Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. I'd want yeah, that from my mind. Then, <laughs> then OK, we're, I mean, we, we, we should... At the end of the day, we're better than Norwich. We should, yeah. um, we should, be, should be looking to win. And I, I suspect they'll try and be defensive, but they're not very good at defending. So Norwich is... We, we perversely Norwich's best chance of winning is to try and outscore us, even though we we have a better attack than them, we have a better defence than them, we have a better midfield than them. But it's it's those margins that we've that we found in the game at Carrow Road where we threw that we threw that game away, absolutely tossed it away, and and actually I think that that works in our favour because you you can be damn sure that Ralph will be reminding those players, look we look what you did against these. This ragtag bunch, bottom bottom of the league, had only won one game all season when you went up there and um, and gave them gave them a um, three point um, present. So actually, I think if we're if we're remotely on it uh, from a mental perspective, I think um, I don't see any issues. You're all mm. missing a key point as well. Nick's picked it up on Facebook. I saw in the comments. It's a Friday night game. Under the lights. Guess who? Get, uh, when was the last time Angus Gunn played in the Premier League at St Mary's? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good night for Southampton. It's got to be, be a good night. <laughs> oh, Matt God, says, can I'm, you imagine? Matt says, I'm travelling 120 <laughs> miles for this game on Friday, so we better beat them. Is Matt going to be all right, Glenn? What's his nerves going to be like? What sort of game are you yeah, expecting he, on Friday? He, sh- he should be. I mean, I've, I've got some notes in front of me, and the first the first thing I wrote down was Angus Gunn is their first choice <laughs> goalkeeper now. It's, it's interesting with Angus Gunn because, you know, we were talking the other week about our goalkeeper situation and 
you know, which one we're going to keep, which one we're going to let go. Are we going to get rid of both of them? The idea was obviously Angus mm. Gunn was bought and he was going to be the first choice goalkeeper at this point. Mm. They obviously thought at the time when the two senior goalies contracts expire, Angus Gunn would take over. They didn't know at the time that he had the presence of a lettuce. And um, it, it was just, you know, he was just not going to show signs of developing. I can't be a little bit careful what I say about Angus Gunn because I've had his dad getting very angry with me on Twitter before. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a great moment. So, uh, yeah, Brian Gunn, not my biggest fan. Don't think he reads my blog with any regularity. I hope he doesn't anyway. The only thing that says that we won't win on Friday is, is, is Sod's Law, isn't it? Because yeah, log- yeah. logic says that we we will. Sod's Law says that Angus Gunn will have a brilliant game, but they, there's no real reason to... Uh, I'd love to know what to, the odds are that. for a 9-0 Southampton win. Imagine conceding back-to-back games at St. Mary's 9-0. <laughs> it would be amazing. I mean, that's got to be the most positive spin you can put on. Did he ever play a game for us after that? Not in the yeah, he, he, no. played, he, played, he played the cup games. So played he, played cup that, game. he played that game at Spurs where we lost 3-2. That replay. Oh, yeah, yeah, played, yeah. Uh, in fact, actually, no, he'd have played the home game in that as well. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, played three the... FA Cup games after that, then went out on loan. Because I was just checking on Soccer Base before. I thought I was like, I'm sure the last time he played at St Mary's in the Premier League game, he shipped nine. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if you look elsewhere in the Norwich team, that the, you know their defence against Liverpool was Grant Hanley and Ben Gibson. Uh, ben Gibson was sort of promising 15 years ago. I, you know, so he's he's a player who's never really proved it. And Grant Grant Hanley is one of the worst centre backs I've ever seen in the Premier mm. League. So slow. He, he's he's a he's a horrible mistake every game. So the, the defence can certainly be got out. They've got the Chelsea lad Gilmore in midfield. Um, who if you let him play, he's a very good player. But you know, will he will he be able to do it against um, Romeo and Ward-Prowse? We'll have to wait and see. And Pookie up front if they give him the right. The right service. He, he's capable of scoring goals at this level, so it's not going to be it's not going to be that easy. But they're bottom of the league for a reason. And and I'll, the original question from whoever it was who sent it in: 120 miles should be. Uh, I assume it's 120 miles back again as well. So it, it should be um, it should be 240 miles of um, yeah of uh, with a with a happy result at the end of it. All right. Well, let's get on to um, predictions. I'm not going to take 9-0 as a prediction unless anyone really wants to go for that. My little confession, first of all, is that we've been doing this for a, for a while now. I didn't realise that I was supposed to keep score each week of the predictions and who was doing what. So a massive shout to producer Alex, who's had to sit back through 22 podcasts this week to try and work out who said what and what the scores were. You'll be interested to know, Dan, you also got the Everton game right because you called 2-0. Uh, which means you're on 18 points. Glenn, you're on 11. Steve, you're on nine. And I think I gave up after the second or third week. So that's kind of where we are. And just I'll make sure I keep a note of these as we go forward. So feel free to stick your predictions in the comments. Dan, I'll let you go first as you uh, you got it right last week. Are you going for 9-0? I'm going to go to bed dreaming of Angus Gunn <laughs> conceding another nine goals at St. Mary's. But I think I'll go 3-0. Three, three another clean sheet. Another clean sheet. Steve? Yeah, I think we're. I actually, I mean, it's weird playing a game against the bottom of the table and saying that oh, I think we'll be really fired up for this. But yeah, I, th- I think they were they were very annoyed after that after that game at Carrow Road, and I think they will want to set the set the record straight. So um, yeah, I'm going for four nil. Four nil, Glenn. Do you think we'll keep another clean sheet? I do, and I was going to predict exactly the same score that Dan's predicted, but uh, obviously I need to, uh, to try, try and catch him up. So this is Glenn. Oh, I don't oh, care about this, this, is, this game is, at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's playing for yeah. tactics now. I'll say, I don't, I'll say I don't care until I'm losing. Then I care. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go for a three-one win. 
All right. Well, the good news is I've written those down and uh, we'll be able to add those in next week to see how we get on. So, uh, right. Thanks, chaps. That's 47 minutes we've done and we haven't had to stop for energy gels or a drink. So, uh, cool. so all good. <laughs> uh, oh, I've got cramp. <laughs> Before we go, a big shout out to some of our loyal and our much loved patrons. Obviously, in the Matt Letizia tier, we've got Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, and Phil Cook. Francis Benali tier, we've got Nick Reed and Matt Hall. Thank you for your support. Uh, you can find out more about becoming a TSP patron and the benefits that come with that over on the website. Thank you to Dan. Thanks to Steve. Thanks to Glenn. Have a great week. Enjoy the Friday night football. Uh, don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're listening on the socials. It's at Total Saints Pod. You'll find us on Twitter and Facebook. I think we're on TikTok now as well um so uh, yeah track us down there uh because there's a lot of work going into that Uh, thank you for listening stay safe in all the strong wins we've got this week and uh we'll see you again next week the talk sport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year as football fans we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds however when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends we might not always feel as confident that's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.